This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome, and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of them, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. During Jesus' ministry on earth, he taught many things about God's truth that, quite frankly, we don't want to hear. You know, things like being forgiven, blessing, empowering, those are great. We should all seek those things continually. But there's other things that he spoke of that were difficult such as, whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's Matthew 10, 37. And add to that, loving our enemies, blessing those who curse us, praying for those who abuse us. And these things are hard to swallow, and not just for us now, but also back then. And then Paul adds things that make it even more hard to swallow. Romans 1, 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, kind of the same thing, to the church in God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul uses the word saint to describe followers of Christ, and saint has the idea of being a holy person. So followers of Jesus are supposed to be holy and put Jesus above everything else. In our modern-day churches, teachings such as these are not well-received, regardless of the fact that a person who claims to be a follower of Christ is described through the New Testament as a person who is committed to Jesus. So the number of people who are pursuing this type of biblical relationship with Jesus seems to be few. And that's what Jesus said about those who labor to do his ministry. They're out there, but they are few. And when I hear Bible teachers discuss this passage or reading commentaries, a lot of times it's describing the laborers of the church ministry, you know, the pastors, the elders, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers, the worship leaders, all these different places of leadership. It talks about laborers, not just leaders. But looking at the New Testament teachings of the believer's responsibility, we find the role of the individual believer is that of a minister or a servant. That's what the word minister implies, is a servant. As every child of God takes part in Jesus' ministry, because the harvest is the whole world. That's what he's aiming for. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable about an enemy who planted weeds among a man's wheat. And when they grew up, the weeds resembled the wheat until a point where it became obvious that they were weeds planted among them. And then the instructions were given, you know, don't pull them up because you'll rip up everything, but just wait until the harvest. And then the weeds and the wheat would be separated. And in verse 36 of Matthew 13, the disciples came to him afterwards, and the crowds who had been present, they'd been dismissed. They were gone. They're like, okay, yeah, that was interesting. I'm out. And those who came to him received the answer, which is a good principle when studying the scriptures. Those who read and simply walk away afterwards really don't care about the reality of scriptures. Rather, they come, they hear or read, and they leave. But those who follow Jesus, who are referred to as his disciples, and that word disciples has its root in the word discipline, They wanted more, and they approached him. They sought him out. They wanted the truth, and they got it. So if you want to learn more about a deeper meaning of Scripture, spend time with Jesus seeking those answers, and you'll find that. 
So regarding this parable, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, they will gather out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So a few things to consider. How do we know that we are sons or daughters of God spoken here? Well, consider Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or daughters of God. To be led by the Spirit means we must follow the Spirit. If he's leading, we got to follow. That's being led. And to follow the Spirit means we must obey the Spirit. And the Spirit will never contradict Scripture because the Scriptures were given to the writers by the Holy Spirit, were inspired by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So God is the one who inspired the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit. So obeying the Scriptures, that's a good indicator whether or not we are actually a son or daughter of God. Well, who then are the sons of the devil? If we use Romans 8.14 to identify the sons of God, then using the opposite would indicate who the sons of the devil are. So those who are led by the evil spirit are the sons of the devil. Those who disobey the Holy Spirit and disobey the Scripture. So if I'm honest with myself, I don't always obey the Scriptures. I disobey them. So if I'm under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and grieving for my sin, then I repent because I am troubled that I'm out of alignment with God. And that's an indicator. When we're convicted by the Holy Spirit for our sin, that's a good sign. The Holy Spirit's on us. We belong to Him. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Let's get back into fellowship with God. Let's do what's right. If I don't care what the Scriptures say, rather I'm simply doing what I want to do, even if it blatantly defies the Scriptures, then that's a good indicator that I'm following the devil, and that's not a good place to be. So then the laborers of the harvest are further defined as those who are led by the Spirit, or again, those who follow the Spirit and obey. Man, that whittles down a lot of professing Christians. I recall going to church before I came to know Jesus. That described me. I was totally a son of the devil. I was also ignorant or deceived would probably be a better word for it, because the minister assured me I was in good standing with God because coming to church and taking communion kind of gets you in. That was a lie. I was still wicked and doing wicked things. I was not following God. So hopefully we can discover those things that make us successful in our relationship with Jesus, namely following him and obeying his word. Then our relationship with him either takes off because we trust him and hear from him, getting our much needed direction, or we flounder because we're really not interested in doing what God says, let alone being led by the Holy Spirit. But when we are redeemed, when we enter into that salvation by simply trusting in Jesus and being willing to follow him, we know it. Things change. We will become different in many ways. One of those ways is that we begin sensing the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And then we obey the Holy Spirit. It becomes evident very quickly that God is who the Bible says he is. And when we get our eyes off of ourselves or off of our circumstance and focus them on Jesus like he said, and we put him as our priority, our king, then we can expect to see all kinds of evidence of God in our lives. And that's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And the real evidence of that fruit is love, which all the other fruit fall under. God's love is operating in us and through us, and that is evidence that we follow Jesus. In John thirteen thirty five, it says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
So when you see a professing Christian who shows no love to anyone, that's a red flag. You don't want to be judgmental, but you just want to be knowing what the scriptures say and looking at this person going, okay, man, where's the love? And the person you need to criticize the most is the one you see in the mirror. Am I showing God's love? Because God's love is real. It's not phony. It comes with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to those who are willing to obey and follow. This is the message of the ministry, follow Jesus. Don't simply learn about him and call it good. That's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is here now, and all those children of God who follow Jesus and are led by his Spirit are its royal subjects. To these belong the promises of eternal life. Those outside the kingdom do not belong to God and are destined for outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, the Bible says. But that's their choice, not God's. The kingdom of God has an open invitation to everybody, anyone who is willing to follow Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised, followers of Jesus live for Jesus, and they're not ashamed. Mark eight thirty eight. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Romans one sixteen, classic verse. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So the laborers for the harvest are all those in the kingdom of God. The world is the place where the harvest is taking place. It's not just in a neighborhood or a community or in a city. It's everywhere. And God is sending out his laborers all over the world. And the ministry is everything in the laborer's path. So always be looking and praying for opportunities to share the message of God's love. Show the love of God. It's free. It's from the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. God gives his laborers his spirit and pours out his love into us that we may pour it out to this dying world and dying churches. So get filled and pour out. You will never pour out more of God's love than he will fill you with and become one of the few. Thank you.